0: Assalamu alaikum Welcome back to the Dadhood Podcast Today we had Qari Ishaq with us He's a father to one daughter He's also the founder of the National Hufad Association He's also the head of religious education at Eden Girls' School And so he had, alhamdulillah, loads to say and loads of tips to give us Uh, Today we covered a number of things in terms of the challenges that he faced when he first became a father Also we went into his upbringing and his relationship with his father And how that is affecting the way that he is upbringing bringing uh, his daughter. We also stok- talked about mashallah his uh, young daughter she's only about three or four years old and her achievements in terms of some of the Quran that she's already memorized the different hobbies that she has like playing football and also the reward systems that him and his wife have implemented to be able to regulate his daughter's behavior so I think this is going to be really interesting looking at uh, fatherhood from the perspective of a teacher of a Qari of a Hafidh uh, and how that all fits in I think you're really gonna enjoy it so please make sure you give it a like hit subscribe and share this around to other fathers assalamu alaikum welcome back to the dadhood podcast today alhamdulillah i'm joined by Qari Ishaq uh, and alhamdulillah he's kindly accepted my request to come on and to speak about his journey in fatherhood um very recently i saw that he You know, created some social media posts about his experiences and his lessons from fatherhood. Uh, And I think that was around the day of Father's Day. We've only just passed uh, uh, Father's Day. Uh, And so I saw a lot of those kind of posts. But this one, uh, I thought your one, Qalis Sak, was quite unique. And so I want to kind of go into that a little bit, and uh, we we want to explore, you know, some of the habits that you have as a father, your experiences, how you being a teacher, you being a Qari, all fits in with your dynamics of also being a father, inshallah. Um, Inshallah. But before we begin, the first thing that we always ask our guests, inshallah, is that how many children do you have, Uh, how old are they, and how old were you when you had them?
1: Uh, as Thank you to my dear brother uh, Shoaib for inviting me It's an honour to be here on the uh, podcast um, Dadhood And assalamu alaykum to all the viewers So I am a father of one, alhamdulillah My daughter is going to turn four in August So about a few months time um, And I was, I always forget my age But I was approximately uh, 30, 31 years old well just t- okay. just i turned thir- just turned 31
0: yeah when she was born okay alhamdulillah we always like to see kind of yeah. the different types of uh, uh, fathers that we have on so this allows us to have to, a little yeah. to, a little oh. bit of a comparison alhamdulillah uh, and so um, how, how how was it i mean so she's only she's nearly turning 4 um, yeah. so it, you're still i would say can be considered maybe a young father in a way in comparison to maybe those who are uh, fathers who have you know teenagers and whatnot uh so how has those first few years been
1: um so yeah for, uh i mean just a disclaimer i i'm not by far an expert on this but alhamdulillah you know this podcast i'm sure is designed as you correctly mentioned to highlight experiences from people from different walks of life, different experiences as fathers. Um, The first few years actually were quite challenging for me. In fact, uh, I would say pinpoint the first sort of couple of months of fatherhood. Um, I think for me, uh, the biggest lesson was I did do a lot of research, which I would definitely recommend those brothers that are watching, especially who may not yet be fathers, a lot of research, definitely. Um, But it doesn't, compare with the actual real life experiences so all the research I did compared to forget the theory aspect you know a practical element is much different so it's not just one plus one equals two it's it, you can be faced with a dynamic situation a very subhan kind of, um, very unique situation in fact I think the hardest thing for me was the first couple of years was adapting to I think just kind of having that alone time with my daughter because obviously when a daughter's when your child is born naturally uh, he or she is going to be, you know, uh, you know, more close to the mother in that sense, meaning that obviously depending on nutrition, etc. And naturally the mother is kind of that bit of a closer bond in that sense. So I think physically touching her, holding her, I think that was very difficult at first because I wasn't as close to her as I would have wanted to. But I tried, alhamdulillah persevered and <laughs> eventually I got there. Um, and I think, yeah, I guess just the whole routine I think, um, as as you highlighted earlier um, You know, I do have a very hectic schedule And one of the blessings of having a daughter, alhamdulillah Is she, she, she allowed me to prioritise everything around her And in fact, it's ever since she's been born My wife and I, everything has been a priority around her, alhamdulillah And it's been a blessing because so she has brought prior, us yeah. Prior
0: to that point, you were very very busy uh, or you were maybe less focused on families. and it, and it um,
1: I I I would say and honestly uh yet yeah, priorities were definitely not sh- as strong as I would have hoped in the sense that and it's not just it's not just community work it's also work so my the nature of my work as a teacher um you know for the last 3 4 years I've been very heavily involved in middle leadership in school so that takes up a lot of my time uh, you know there's a lot of meetings after school etc there's a lot of responsibility so I guess yeah it was difficult uh and you know just just recently I just stepped down as a CEO of National hofa of the UK which you may have heard so that played a huge part in this as well so yeah family life wasn't uh you know I, I I kind of look back and I you know I was working two jobs as well so when my daughter was born uh I was teaching during the day subhanallah and I was actually a head teacher of a mother's side in the evening. So I was literally working from 7 a.m. to seven pm, you know, straight, twelve hour. Obviously I, I would have come home in between for like an hour or something, but as in the hours were quite long. So Alhamdulillah, um, as she got older and the last couple of years especially, I've managed to prioritise a bit more and, and kind of I'm in a stage I'm at a stage now where Alhamdulillah it's safe to say that there's more kind of Sukoun, there's more, there's more peace, yeah. there's more subhanAllah, uh, it, it, I feel more relaxed, I feel like I'm giving her, you know, just like we, we spoke right now, lockdown has definitely helped as well, so yeah, um, definitely priorities change for anyone, I'm sure parents that are watching, you know, your, your life, it's impossible as a parent to say, my life doesn't revolve around my children, because if it doesn't, then your priorities definitely need to be mm. reevaluated.
0: Okay Alhamdulillah. So what, what were some of the particular challenges? Because you said the first few months were, were very difficult but obviously um, as it's as it's gone yeah. on you've learned and you've been able to prioritize things but what what happened in the first few months um, was like a shock
1: in a way. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I think the first of actually well I'm a father now, you know, I'm a dad. Mm-hmm. I remember the first time I held her. In fact I wanna share something with you. Um so when she was born, um obviously my wife gave birth and alhamdulillah, you know, it was a very joyous occasion. And I held it for the first time, and I remember when uh, my wife was still being, tend, you know, seen to by the doctors and the surgeon, etc. At the time, um, yeah. I started, you know, as we usually do, we do the adhan, the iqama, etc. Yeah. And I thought, you know, let me just recite, right? Because my teachers, my ustads, always told me, my parents, you know, always emphasized, you know, Quran, Quran, Quran. So I started reciting Surah Yasin. Now she was crying all this time up until I started reciting When I started reciting Surah Yaseen, she immediately went silent And I was reciting She was, obviously she can't see at that When you're born, obviously you can't, you know, you can't physically see You know, the eyesight is not strong When I reached the last few verses I still remember that part And she started bawling her eyes out, crying, crying So anyway, she stopped and we went to the ward one of the doctors was actually Muslim, I believe he was Egyptian or Syrian And he then you know said, MashaAllah, it's not every day we get to listen to recitation The one of the nurses, she was a non-Muslim, <laughs> she came actually, a non-Muslim nurse And she said, oh, you know, they refer to you as dad, obviously in, in that situation yeah. So she said, oh dad, can you, you know, uh, you know, you were singing to your daughter earlier So I explained mm. to her, look, it's recitation, the Quran, I memorised it She said, you do know that she knew who you were, right? And I was like, what do you mean? And then she's <laughs> like, so when um, a child listens to the voice for the first time and they immediately can recognize so when my wife was obviously pregnant with my daughter um, yeah. she sometimes come to my Tarawi and, and there were times yeah. where, where i would lead the taraweeh for a or, or whatever it may, may have been yeah. she would you know immediately start kicking my wife in, in the stomach <laughs> and, would, and then as soon as i stopped she stopped kicking as well because she recognized the voice so a lot of people don't know, when you're pregnant with a child, especially for, for the menfolk, uh, it's very important to recite Qur'an. And this is something I found growing up, especially after this. So I tried this, actually. The times yeah. where I didn't recite Qur'an, she would find it hard to go to sleep. But now, alhamdulillah, she, she does go to sleep after listening to Qur'an. I actually recite to her every night, alhamdulillah, whenever mm-hmm. I can, most nights. And I think the hardest part for me was just to make a connection with her. Just going back to your question, sorry. It was actually just yeah. to make... Just to make a connection with my daughter I found it quite hard Because she wasn't clinging on to me As much as I would have hoped And sometimes I did feel rejected It was hard Because as a new mm. father You know You you want that kind of moment You want those kind of Blessed moments together So um, it was it, it was difficult But I, I would say It's a blessing from Allah Because it made me more Keen and more motivated to kind of you know push even more, you know, I, there were times where I thought what am I doing? Am I doing something wrong? Um, You know, I actually googled up. I remember Muslim Fathers Clubs uh, Obviously it's, it, <laughs> four, four years ago that dad, dad, uh, dadhood wasn't out there But uh, <laughs> I'm sure I would have definitely seen one of the episodes Um But SubhanAllah, it, it made me think that had I not have just been patient for sabrun Jameel yeah. I would not have gone over that. So I think it's just the connection, man. It was hard because she was a. You know, it's it's, it's true mm. because a lot yeah. of um,
0: uh, a lot of times fathers are not told about that. The, the what what we understand about yeah. the first few weeks is that okay, the mother is really important. The connection with the mother is really important, and fathers need to do as much as they can to support the child and the mother in, in you know in recovery in in just getting back to normal basically. that that's our primary role which nobody's denying that that is a very important role but we don't get told about how much we're going to miss out by by not thinking about where our connection is with our child right because we're thinking you know maybe some some weeks months down the line that's when i'm gonna start picking the baby and playing with the baby and whatnot but actually it starts quite early on and even in fact it starts you know all the way back at the time Uh, the the baby's in the womb like you mentioned you know reciting quran to the baby allowing the baby to recognize who you are and then you find that the first few weeks you're suddenly out of the picture in a way you're not you're not you know you're not so so connected and that can be a difficult time for for fathers and nobody really prepares you for that time and and then nobody talks about it afterwards because it's just like oh it's a given right it's a that's that's just what's gonna happen but actually there's there's a lot to think about in the in the, in those first few weeks. And there's a lot that you can do if yeah. you proactively try to get involved, uh, it can help you feel yourself feel better, but also you can create a more supportive environment for your child and, 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 yeah. and the mum as well.
1: Yeah, you no, know, definitely. And I think um, it's like you said, um, because it, in my, in my close circle of family and friends, the dads are generally the, the workers. Right? I think mean, they're the breadwinners of the families, right? So, Obviously, thinking about it logically, um, you're at work the whole day. You haven't been, you know, you, you know. I'm not really uh, able to spend time with my daughter during the day. I come home in the evening. She's By that time, she's already spent so many hours with my wife. And then, obviously, it's, it's hard to make that connection, especially when you haven't, when you've got limited time together as it is. So, yeah, um, that was not told uh, before. And obviously, people do say you spend time, you know, the kind of uh, skin to skin, and you, even though you can't, you know, take part in the breastfeeding, but you still have those moments together. It, it still was difficult, and I think once that connection was made, after I would say around maybe three, four months, uh, then it was just Alhamdulillah, it, it was just amazing from then onwards. But yeah, like you said, um, the first three, four months are definitely hard as fathers because we don't spend as much time with our children as opposed to the mothers do. So we had to try even harder to kind of win them over and to, and, and to kind <laughs> of get that connection going.
0: Yeah, yeah, you're right. So you said you did some research beforehand, uh, but did you maybe have support from your family or was there anything in your upbringing that helped you in terms of starting that journey in fatherhood? Or was it purely just you had to find things on the internet, read some books, and and that Hmm. was your first exposure
1: to to, to parenting? So um, I actually got a book by one of my... Students, He sent me a book, I remember, it's called Muhammad, peace be upon him, The Best Father Along those lines, it was a book okay, in Arabic wow. which is translated to English uh, There's actually a book called Muhammad, the best teacher initially written by Sheikh Abu Fatah He actually wrote the book, I think it's been translated into English So those books really helped um, Obviously being a teacher, I've been involved with children for most of my life, you know, over 20 years of teaching across madrasas and schools so that really helped as well. That was my research, you know, yeah. um, speaking to students, speaking to parents, kind of, you know, al- Alhamdulillah, I received a lot of support. So my, my family, Alhamdulillah, we have loads of nephews and nieces, cousins, Alhamdulillah, my, my mother's side of the family, she has, subhanAllah, seven brothers and six sisters. so wow, uh, family. Huge family, yeah, and then my fa- <laughs> dad's family, and then obviously my in-laws. So Alhamdulillah, we do have a close circle of family members. So yeah, the support was given there, actually. Um. A lot of family members supported us before she was even born. We were given lots of advice. We attended lots of classes as well. Obviously, back then there was no restrictions, so we did. Alhamdulillah, benefit from those, uh, you know, classes that you attend to in hospital. You know, not just the scan appointments, but we attended those kind of classes, as couples. And Alhamdulillah, research that I did mainly was yes online, but a lot of it was. I guess what I'm trying to say is. And I balance the research between Islamic research and general research, that really helped me. Why? Because seeing how the Prophet ﷺ tended to his grandchildren and his family members, the sunnah way of parenting, that is so powerful. And uh, You know, I read some amazing stories about how he would pray salah. Hassan Hussein would be on his back. He would prolong his salah. He didn't stop. He never scolded them. The way he, subhanAllah, you know, he had to bury... Um, most of his children, uh, you know, subhanAllah, during his lifetime, Fatima was probably the only one that was alive after he passed away. So, reading through his stories of how he dealt with this and Quranic inspiration as well, you know, And reading through these verses, studying the tafsir. So, yeah, I did a lot of research from, from an Islamic perspective in terms of sunnah parenting and previous uh, predecessors and you know scholars etc and again it with kind of the there was some really good online clips that i, uh, that I saw uh, and i kind of kept like a notepad notebook where i had these notes in alhamdulillah uh, and yeah um, alhamdulillah my wife is very organized so she 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 was on top of it and and you know she really helped as well but yeah having nieces and nephews around has really helped so those yeah parents that are watching especially fathers if you have nephews and nieces um you know definitely i would say maximize those opportunities because we used to babysit a lot and those moments really helped us you know um, there's an eight-year gap between me and my twin brother and our youngest brother so we when we when he turned one or two we were you know already 10 11 and yeah. we looked after him a lot of times you know okay. ba- you know babysitting so that really helped as well so yeah all these experiences put together it kind of prepares you um a little bit and you know those are real life experiences so those really oh, help Lord. you to kind of um you know get a very good grip on parenting
0: that's really good that's really good so you, you so you mentioned about about your twin brother i hope i'm talking yes. to the right one yeah <laughs> you haven't come and switched roles today have you <laughs> yes yes no 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 alhamdulillah no, no. <laughs> alhamdulillah 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 uh, so was was there how how did uh, maybe your father bring you up uh, you and your twin brother and obviously your, your your younger siblings as well um how how was that kind of upbringing and do you think your dad had uh, an impact in terms of how your your life has developed now now that you've become a Qari, yeah, you yeah, become a teacher yeah. you know you've You've been, you know, you you wrote uh, the 365 tips on memorising. I've got the book. I've got two copies, I think, on my shelf. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah, Um, Alhamdulillah. I'm waiting to give it as a gift to somebody, the second copy. I'm waiting for the right moment so I can just be like, waiting for somebody to tell me, oh, I'm starting my health journey. so And I I can be like, here you go, here you go. (laughs) Um, But I've been benefiting from my copy, Alhamdulillah. So you've obviously done all these... you know, great projects. Uh, And a lot of the times we hear that it's the parents who have helped the children to uh, and develop the children in their childhood to then once they get to adulthood to be able to be confident to do these kind of things. So was there anything in particular, any moments from uh, your mother or father that helped you to be where you're at now?
1: I mean, there's so many. Um, This is probably the first time I'm publicly speaking about my connection with my father. And I think... Many times, uh, you know, we emphasize in the hadith when the Prophet mentioned Jannah lies at your mother's feet. You know, he mentions mother three times before saying father. And her mothers are always emphasized in terms of value and respect. But he's my, my father is my unsung hero. You know, he's someone, alhamdulillah, he's still alive. May Allah grant him a long life and healthy life. Ameen, ameen. Um, he taught me two valuable lessons which I wanted to kind of touch upon. One is always start your day with Quran. You know, without fail for the last... As far as I can remember, every morning without fail, he would recite Surah Yasin. without fail. If he's ill, if he's had a long day at work the night before, whatever he does for that day, his morning, he would get the Qur'an and he would, sometimes he would read it by heart, because alhamdulillah he's memorized it, he would sit in his chair in his room and he would read it every single day. And, you know, I was told by my mother that he would do this, especially when he was younger as well. And it may have been subhanAllah, you don't know, maybe that might be one of the reasons why we, Developed the love for Hibs as well, for Quran. Yeah. Uh, and Alhamdulillah, my, my, one of my uncles with the Hafiz as well, he was staying with us at that time, he would recite the Quran to us. So, Quran, Alhamdulillah, we, we have numerous, Alhamdulillah, uh, alims and hawfad in our families as well. So, that really helps. So, um, one of the best advices he's given me, and this is something I always kind of try to inculcate with, uh, implement into my life with my daughter, is he's all, he always would say that, um, you know, you can go to college, you can go to university, you can take part in sports. But always have a balance between Islam and the dunya, meaning hmm. don't do too much of one and don't do too much of the other. And I remember once when um, I would often go to, uh, you know, pray, Salah, etc. We'd go for Jama'at, you know, in the tabliq Jama'at, you go for three days, 40 days, etc. We'd go When I was younger, I was more active in, in that. And he would always say, look, you can go, but, you know, Go play some cricket, go play some football, go out with your friends. He would always encourage us to do this. And this is one thing I always respect about my father. is He never imposed, he never forced Islam upon us. Even when we were doing hifz, he specifically asked us. We were young, we were about seven or eight when we started hifz, me and my twin brother. And he always used to say to us, we're not forcing you, are you sure you want to do this? And even though he wasn't a hafid, a full hafid, but he... Subhanallah, always, always, subhanallah, waking up in the morning, my mom would wake us up in the morning, my dad would always attend the, the meetings with our teachers, he would always take an active role, and even though my dad would not memorise the Quran, he would always listen to us at home. And this is one thing I want to say, um, many parents out there whose children are becoming half hafidh or half. spend 5-10 minutes at home, just listen to your child read the Quran. Mm. You know, even though my dad was not my teacher, but as a parent, it's so important to sit with your children just to listen to the quran to take an interest because when you're listening to them those five ten minutes it can motivate them even more as well and you're not teaching them you're not telling them you got this mistake or or you may be you know taking out some minor mistakes but the connection you have with your child when they're reading quran is different to the connection they have when they read to the teacher and one of the books alhamdulillah i've just finished writing a second book which is 365 tips to help you teach the quran and it's aimed towards parents Parents and teachers, and inshallah, I'll definitely give you a complimentary copy as well. But <laughs> exactly. one of the reasons why I wrote this book is Shuaid because uh, there's such a huge gap between the makhdabs, the madrasas, and parents. Parents are not taking mm. active interest in their children. It's not enough just to say, I pay 30 pounds a month, khalas, you know, you deal with my child, no, the tarbiyah needs to come from from us. So, yeah, my my father would always take an interest in our Quran, and uh, I always remember when. Whenever we go to like a wedding or a family function or or something, you know, he'd always be proud to say, you know, Alhamdulillah, he's, my parents are fortunate that Alhamdulillah all three of their sons are kafir, and Indeed. this is something I can only dream of. For make to that Allah gives us the opportunity as well. You know, we know the immense rewards parents get. So yeah. he never he, he, the biggest influence on in my life as my, my father was, um, he would always. Subhanallah! Always maintained that balance. He was never over religious, and again, never too much in the dunya. He would watch his TV programs, he into his cricket, etc., etc. But when it's time, for, even right now, Alhamdulillah, he's in his 60s. But when it's time for salah, he goes, and Mashallah, he you know he doesn't miss a single salah when he's at home, and he goes straight to the masjid. And um, Allah has always given him that punctuality for salah. Alhamdulillah, for, for many years. So there's only so much I can, you know, try and aspire to be like that. But Alhamdulillah, yeah, it's. It's literally that balance, just having that balance And, and nowadays we try to do too much, we, we focus or we chase the world or we chase the dunya And we forget the Akhirah But you know, he yeah. always said to me, look, you can chase the world all you want But don't chase the world so much that you forget chasing your Akhirah This is very important uh, And as the remember his advice when we became half we were about maybe 11 or 12 And the day we graduated, he said to me, look, um, it doesn't stop now You still continue to read Quran every day And I think it's just that consistency he had, you know, the fact that every day he would read Quran, that really motivated me, you know, as as a son to to have that. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. That's
0: uh, really inspiration. Subhanallah. You you know, may Allah grant your father al-jannah and forgive forgive him for his sins because that example that he set is it's. Of, of course, it's going to benefit him, but then it's going to benefit the generations that come after him. It's benefited yeah. you and your brothers, and now it's going to, inshallah, benefit uh, your children as well, which should hopefully just keep carrying on. And then the blessings and the barakah and the reward is carrying sure. on. And this is, you know, this is like a, such a prime example of why this project that that I'm doing, I find it so important, is making fathers aware of the role that they have and how important it is mm. because this is the type of thing that it can produce inshallah in 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 in, in different people's lives of, of course not everybody is going to become a hafiz but to some level yeah. to some yeah. level uh, uh it can have an, an impact like this um so speaking about your uh you becoming a hafiz and, and your your journey um I know you've spoken about that before so I don't want to go into like your, your, your journey uh, as a whole in a way but I want to connect it to your daughter in terms of how are you going to then transfer that uh, experience of becoming hafiz and the lessons that you learned over to your daughter how is she going to I'm, I'm sure you have the same similar goals for, for your daughter to become a hafidh etc so how inshallah. will how will she inshallah uh, or how will you inshallah teach her to pick up those things
1: So, um, I wrote a blog actually. I I, I forward you the blog after the podcast, inshallah. Um, Obviously, it's a lengthy read. But when my daughter was born, a lot of people would message me and say, you know, mashallah, mabrook, and inshallah she becomes a hafizah, inshallah she memorizes the Quran. And I I would get a lot of messages, people would assume just because I'm a hafiz, she's going to become one as well, you know. Mm. And yeah, it does happen. Many times it does happen where there's many parents that are hafizah uh Ha'afidah, Mother or father And the daughter Or the son Memorises qu- Full of Quran But it doesn't happen In any situ- every situation And most recently um, I was actually Listening to a podcast Between Sheikh Omar Suleiman And uh, Abu Isa And they were discussing Something very beautiful That How their lives As public figures um, And their parenting And how people Have this expectation That oh Your father's so and so So your son or daughter Is going to become so and so And how it's important As parents As fathers We don't force a certain life upon our children and mm-hmm. we don't kind of um, you know bring up our children to a point where we want them to be like us I don't want my daughter to be like me as in everything about like I'm a half and this and that I want her to have her own life I want her to have her own career aspirations her goals etc but when it comes to hips so going back to the question um, we recognize when she was young and she had a sharp memory and we thought, okay, let's, let's test it out, you know, Alif but, uh, uh, you know, certain words from the Qur'an. And subhanAllah, she she actually learned the Arabic alphabet, I think, just before she turned one, I think. Uh, maybe she turned wow, one and she, she started, early, like, She she's quite she alert, alhamdulillah. So, my wife actually, I have to give credit to her, even though this is about dadhood, but mashallah, my wife played <laughs> a huge role. In terms of, like, she pinpointed these specific videos on YouTube, right, where... They'd have Arabic alphabets, letters, very positive messages. Omar Ahana is one of them, uh, cartoons that she watches regularly. So, what we did, we collated a playlist of surahs, Quran, and hmm. some of these playlists have like cartoons that may be Coco Melon or um, you know uh, these kind of children cartoons, but the voice is the Quran, it may be Sheikh yeah. uh, Minshari reciting, etc. Yeah. So, my daughter started to listen. So, what we like, realized was well, she's not only a sharp. Uh, in terms of memory But she listens And she picks up So we we've, we tried it out Alhamdulillah You know um, She's nearly turning four And she's learned over Mashallah, I think uh, Maybe 25 or 26 du'as And um, she's memorized um, I think Seven Six or seven surahs From Juz Amma alhamdulillah. And it's, it's It's Alhamdulillah You know It's not just It's not Just me and my, my, my wife It's actually a lot from her She actually wanted to kind of learn mm. in fact she started madrasa when she just turned three years old and <laughs> when her nephew when her nieces were going madrasa she was like oh you know uh, papa i want to go or Mummy i want to go madrasa too and we thought are you sure so the first few days were a bit challenging but then alhamdulillah she went and it's been a year now and mashallah she's i think she's on mashallah exceeded uh, her, her levels in qaeda and she's now excelling in terms of her memory so in terms of what my goals are for her, yes, I would aspire, I would love for her to memorize the full Quran but I know that it's going to be something which has to come from her. So what mm. I found in a lot of parents is, <clears throat> subhanAllah, some situations where the mother or the father would force the child to sit because they just want him to do it say, no, you have to do it, everyone's done it yeah. in the family, you have to do it. Or, yeah. no, your grandparents made dua, you have to do it. Not mm. every child is capable of memorizing the full Quran. You have to accept that. If your child cannot do it or finds it hard, then don't force it upon him or her. This is a yeah. huge sin. So I think as parents, instead of forcing it upon them, we should nurture them. You know, so what I'm trying to do now is explain to her what this surah is about, you know, what the meanings are. Because I think what's more important than memorising is understanding the Quran. You know, So I try to do it through storytelling and as you know the Qur'an is very big on storytelling and storytelling is a huge part of Islam When we connect with our children, like even when I'm teaching at school uh, I, I'm the head of Ariya at my secondary school I always tell stories to help students understand the context of some complicated topics So with my daughter Alhamdulillah, she does Islamic studies alongside her Qur'an at madrasa she's now learning about prophets I think Nuh etc etc et so yeah um inshallah the aim is just from Juz Amma and hopefully yeah if she moves forward then yeah why not you know and alhamdulillah it's it's come from her but uh I think what I want to emphasize with her is not just memorizing but something which I unfortunately, didn't get a chance to do when I memorized the quran from a young age I didn't get a chance to understand or study the tafsir until a much later age so if she's able to do that from now I Think she'll connect with the Quran even more, uh, and inshallah, she'll appreciate it even more. But even now, like my, it, it's so funny when, when we're going shopping or we're in the car, um, I've got this habit, right, where um, obviously not too loudly, but I recite Quran, so I'll just kind of recite to myself, but obviously, yeah. Um, and then my wife's like, and then my daughter started to do that as well, so my wife's like, oh my god, now there's two of you doing it, and <laughs> it, 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 it's it's cute because we'll be like just playing sometimes, and she will just randomly just start, and, she, and it's and Last year, actually, in Ramadan, we didn't know she, recite, she memorized Surah Fatiha, she didn't tell us, right? Oh, okay. One day, yeah, one day, my wife was making so much advice. she said, I hope she learns it, I hope she learns it. So, literally last year, before she turned three, so she was actually two years old at the time, um, she was reciting and then all of a sudden, she stood next to the fireplace and she just started Surah Fatiha, bam, in one go, she did it. Were like, <laughs> How did she do that? And I remember, I did... I did post it on social media as well and, and, and a lot of people, mashallah. and the thing is that I want to say one thing as well. I'm, I'm not saying we should post on social media to boast about our children, but you know what? There's a very beautiful wisdom behind posting to encourage other children as well. You know, mm. I work with children in school. I've personally judged Qur'an competitions, organized Qur'an competitions. I've seen how beneficial these events are and if mm. we can motivate one another, you know, from that video subhanAllah there's, there's a few parents that messaged me asking me for tips and advices Alhamdulillah and I've included this actually in my new book So again yeah Alhamdulillah um, it's come from her mainly But as a father Alhamdulillah I'm, you know, I'm immensely proud of what she's achieved uh, And she's only turning four this year So you know I pray I make dua that she doesn't only memorize the Quran But she understands the Quran as well inshaAllah Alhamdulillah that's amazing And,
0: and you're right there you know there's that level of motivation that gives parents just you speak just just you speaking about it to me now uh gives me that level of motivation for for my children you know my son is two and a half uh and you know he has learned a few but now i have a lot more encouragement to you know i've seen that he likes it when he learns it but but maybe we don't I, I feel like we don't encourage it enough mm-hmm. right now. So I think it would, it's yeah. probably, you know, it's giving me that motivation to to keep that encouragement up. But you're right, it has to be a balance yeah. between not forcing it, just making it something that they enjoy, that they like, and then you encourage it. Yeah. And I guess that goes back to the point of uh, between the maktabs and, and, and the parents, right? Where you simply just, you know, having your children come from maktab, come home, and maybe before they sleep, oh, what did you uh, revise today? What did you memorize today? Can you just yeah. tell me five minutes? That's going to make a world of difference to them because now they know that actually my parents encourage me, they're behind me, they yeah. support yeah. me. Maybe they yeah. can't teach me. That's why I have to go to a maktab. But they're there, they're, be- they're behind me and they-, they like the fact that I'm doing this. They're not forcing yeah. me to do it. They, they want to see good things from me and then now I want to show them what I'm learning as well. Um, yeah. so, there's, so there's, there's a whole kind of uh, I'm guessing in the book it's going to
1: explain all of these things, so I'm looking it forward does, to it. It does, it does, but you know, I want to touch upon something you said about um, encouragement. So, um, Ali mentioned a very beautiful quote. He says, The first seven years of your child's life, you you, you know, you play with your child, so meaning from, from zero to seven, you play with your child. Um, the next seven years, from seven to 14, you educate your child, so education meaning maybe go take him to school etc you educate yourself, and yeah. 14 to 21 is when you become best friends with your child now this is such a beautiful quote because the first seven years is you setting the foundations of how you want your relationship with your child to be when you grow up so if yeah. you're not around like you just mentioned sure but they come from maktab and you don't just ask them even okay if you're busy but just ask them a question show me just show me what have you learned in Maktab today? And it just takes 10 seconds. They're going to pull out the book, they're going to show you the diary. Abba or, or Mum, I done this, I got a start today. Oh, mashallah. You know, one thing I acknowledge as a parent, as a father, when you give rewards to your child, which is something we could talk about later as well, it's so powerful when you give them incentives and when they know that you're interested in what they're doing, that's even more powerful as well.
0: Yeah. Yeah, hundred percent, Um, I just wanted—I want to go back to this. I'm um, interesting, interested that you have some sort of reward system uh, uh, that yeah. that you're using, and that's that's something that um, I've been looking into quite a lot. I haven't—I have used not a proper system, but we have used ways yeah. to reward our children for certain behaviors. But a proper system, we haven't implemented yet. Uh, but before I go into that, um, you were mentioning about how your daughter she um she wants to do it like she enjoys uh just c- kind of reciting or memorizing and and she's the one that wanted to go to to maktab early and whatnot but then you also mentioned that you want to instill what your father taught you in terms of balancing deen and dunya hmm. so yeah. how do you do that with with your daughter is there anything beyond yeah. quran because right now what it seems like is this qari yeah all he wants his child to do <laughs> is to recite quran yeah because yeah. that's that's what he does so yeah. that's all his children are going to do so is there anything else that you've encouraged your daughter to get into yeah
1: no i mean mashallah um uh, I, 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 it's just it's it's beautiful because alongside quran she's excelled in other things so in school she is above her ability in many aspects of counting Maths. Um, I don't know if you can see behind me, but one of the yeah. holes is actually one of her numeracy timetables. Right? She mashallah. knows, mashallah, a lot. She uh, she she's actually excelling in a t- She even randomly me, told me and my wife one day, "Oh, I know my timetables, and she's, she she can count from one to hundred, multiplication, attra- uh, wow, addition, subtraction." Uh, recently, for last actually two years, I've been taking a football as well. So I'm actually um, a okay. a mad. I, I, I follow football a lot. You know, I'm. I'm not <laughs> Arsenal fan up until the Ozil incident, unfortunately. But um, <laughs> al- alhamdulillah, no, I'm, I'm a huge, a huge football fan. So about two years ago, um, again, testing the waters. I'll kick the ball in the garden. She would play with me, she started walking. And I noticed that she's just taking an interest in football. Um, when I used to watch Match of the Day, when she was about six months or seven months old, she just started looking at the screen. I'm thinking, you don't even know what's going on. Why are you so interested in football? And then I remember one time, she was, she was about one, and someone scored a goal, and um, the commentator might have said goal, and she just started running saying, Goal, goal, goal. <laughs> like that. Um, so, okay, so we enrolled into um, uh, Soccer Days, which is a local kind of school. They do uh, football for toddlers, coaching sessions. Oh, wow. And Alhamdulillah, she's yeah. been going for the last nearly year and a half. And SubhanAllah, since going football, it's allowed me and her to bond a lot more. My wife comes as well, but more so at home, where I've kind of got these small goal nets at home in the garden we practice a lot So it's improved her social skills as well And she was a bit shy when she was younger She's now more confident It's it's given her that opportunity to explore herself more And Alhamdulillah she's really doing well She just recently, she's only three But she's now in a five-year-old class in football Um, So Alhamdulillah she's excelling in that And what I do now, when I play football with her in the garden for example Like you said, is there anything I teach her apart from Quran? So when I play football with her, you know as she's playing, I'll recite with her, you know. Say, okay, if you can score a goal, let's ah. see if you can read. Let's see if you can read قرآن the برب nas and she'll read it. Let's see if you can do this. Uh, and then just kind of, you know, very subtle, but you implement Quran. when we're at home. We play lots of board games, so she she loves playing Jenga, right, and solving puzzles. So as we're doing that, you put on some Quran, test each other. Uh, I've got these Arabic flashcards. So the flashcards are very good, they're colourful and it gives it a chance to have some fun and learn at the same time as well Uh, But yeah, um, it's not just Qur'an, Qur'an, Qur'an I've always had that advice from my father Do not base your life just on Qur'an or just on Islam Yes, Qur'an is the focal part of my life But as in Mm. like, I'm not always engaged... It's the centre But there's things around that centre. Exactly. You know, like the mm. verse in the Quran, qa- in Surah Al-Furqan, qa- qa- Quran On the day of judgment, the Prophet mm. will complain. There will be certain people, maybe Hufa, the Alim, and they will be complained about. Say so they memorized the Quran, they studied the Quran, but Quran they were away from the Quran. So mm. it's all about Keeping children connected with the Qur'an uh, and especially getting them to understand what the Qur'an is about. So so yeah, Alhamdulillah, you know, I'm enjoying every moment of of fatherhood. Definitely, I, I feel that I have a strong connection with her but that doesn't come without effort you have to make the effort and again yeah it goes back to time making the time and you know being interested in what your children do and you know i always will and inshallah i always will encourage you. i was just saying to my wife the other day that she's starting to become more interested in like martial arts and kung fu and stuff like that so that's something i did when i was younger so yeah maybe when she turns five maybe you know enrolled her inshallah into one of these classes and again it's not overdoing it but it's exposing her to these social environments so she can excel um, you know, not only get her fitness on track, but also enjoy it something as well. Yeah, definitely. Mashallah, so
0: that's wicked. I never, I never knew that there's a, a, a football coaching for toddlers. I have to listen to that. There There is. I, I'll <laughs> send
1: you the link. They've got classes in in um, Essex, in East London, West London, North London, South London as wow. well. Wow. So it's really good. It's really good that's as well. That's good. Mashallah. That's good. Yeah. Okay. Okay.
0: Nice. Um, uh, what was I gonna say? There was uh, <laughs> I forgot. I'm just so, I'm just I'm just so surprised that there's football for toddlers. I have, no, no, to, get, that's fine. I have to get my son and, into and that.
1: One thing I was gonna say as well, like um, you know, as as fathers especially, we shouldn't be afraid to try new things. You know, like mm-hmm. um, for example, like or oh, something which my brother-in-law done or sister-in-law or my parents, something which your parents did when they when you were younger is different time to now and uh, you know don't be afraid to try new things that's one thing i've definitely yeah. learned as I, I always try new techniques uh and like you mentioned about rewards we've tried numerous reward systems and alhamdulillah some reward systems work some don't you just have to try and test them um so like, yeah, example, go, go, not, go into it so yeah give me an
0: example of what you do okay so an
1: example is um we told her if she memorized certain surahs she'll get like a gift for eid for example and um, we we ask her what she wants, so like Paw Patrol is like something she's madly into at the moment. She <laughs> loves it. She literally has an haves on all the characters and the songs <laughs> and everything. She could probably even do the song with tijreed, <laughs> mashallah. Um But um, it's cute, mashallah. So these kind of incentives and rewards we give her, as in when we feel that she deserves them, and we've got like, my wife recently bought like a chart, so which we put on the fridge. Um, it's got Monday to Sunday, so we've got a list of things. So for example, maybe. Um, eating your breakfast on time um, waking up on time uh, going to the toilet by yourself um, you know tidying away all your toys doing your sabak for madrasa, for school homework so there's a list of chores now if she meets them she'll get a star if she gets yep. more than X amount of stars then she gets like a sweet treat like a chocolate or something something which works a lot with my daughter is obviously um, all kids love sweet treats but obviously we don't overdo it we don't give her too much but within yep. limits but again she appreciates that You know And we explain to her I think this is important As parents We shouldn't just give, give, give Give within reason But explain to your child Why you've given him that gift Explain to them You know Don't just say Oh it's Eid MashaAllah Even though we do give her Eid gifts every year We explain to her This is why you got the Eid gift Because you've right. excelled In your madrasa Because you've increased your your ability in football or something right so right. then so getting
0: becomes the away. gift for the sake of getting a yeah. gift yeah is yeah. there's, there's
1: they've done something to end up basically yeah. and, and also what we do is um, when she finishes a sora or she memorizes the sora Um, I I give her like a treat So for example Maybe like A a, a takeaway that she likes She loves pizza For example Right (laughs) Or or just something Right So there's There's an incentive for her Every time she finishes a surah Right And again It's small things Not too much So that obviously You don't want to become bankrupt By the time she finishes the Quran But It it just builds up nicely You know that She she knows that Okay And, And again You're not doing it like It's important to get the balance But you're not doing it For the intention of her Getting rewards But you're Given her an incentive And competition is, is, is SubhanAllah It's encouraged The Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi You know You saw between Abu Bakr and Umar There was constant competition yeah. between them So Alhamdulillah In that sense we, we give her that ability To kind of you know uh, Be rewarded But yeah again It's like you said um, It's not just for the sake of it It's within reason If you deserve it But there has been times Don't get me wrong No child is an angel There has been times When she's played up And she's been reprimanded for it so this is something which, uh, alhamdulillah, I have to say, my wife has especially helped me a lot over the years. Both parents have to be on the same page. And if you're the only yeah. father or the only mother, you know you have to be like, even more stronger. You must stand your ground. You know, the child must know his or her limits. If they've exceeded mm. those limits, which will happen, be fair but firm. And she knows this, alhamdulillah. So we have something like a timeout where she'll sit on the steps, put her finger on her yeah. mouth. She'll say, you know, sometimes where she knows she's done something wrong we'll make her say Astaghfirullah ten times So that gives her that kind of awareness that when I do something wrong why do I have to say Astaghfirullah So it builds up that kind of, you know, of her and and, Alhamdulillah she responds well, you know Once we reprimand her, Alhamdulillah, nine times out of ten straight away she'll get it and and she will then come to us and apologise And again, it's, you know, enabling your kids to understand what they've done wrong and why they've done wrong this is very mm-hmm. important the same way you're saying what they've done to achieve the gift why they've achieved it the same way to reprimand them this is what you've done as a you know as a punishment you may and sometimes there have been the case where I've taken some gifts away from her or I've taken some incentives but for example like uh, we have an additional phone in the house which we use as a backup an iPhone mm-hmm. and sometimes we give it to that uh, to use from time to time okay. we've taken her away for weeks week sometimes as a, as a punishment for her Right. She's not allowed to use that for a week. And again, it's, it's incentives for like on the phone, I download certain apps, which I know she likes from time to time as an incentive. And, and yeah. even we, we, we pay close attention to what she watches on, on YouTube. Kids is a very good app to use, but yeah. as parents, it's so important, especially as fathers where, um, you know, especially on our gadgets as well. Um, my daughter likes to spend more time, um, you know, when we go through gadgets, she likes to learn online. So whether it's on my laptop. For schoolwork or whether it's just edgy. she loves the number blocks and stuff like that. So again, paying close attention to what she watches is very important. Mm. And sometimes the parents we can become oblivious to that, and that could open up a kind of worms in terms of safeguarding and you know some kind of looking at what what your children actually get up to online. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent.
0: What what are some of the uh, things that you do in terms of uh, using gadgets and stuff? Because sometimes gadgets are used uh, as a way of distraction right where um, for good reason as well sometimes parents you need to get something done yeah Uh, Yeah. the mother the father needs to get something done and nothing's working you've given them everything nothing is working and so you need to give them a gadget and then they get happy and they'll 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 be distracted for about half an hour and you can get done what you need to get done right Uh, so it's for good but but sometimes that can become then a habit where you're only using it for distraction and you're not paying attention to them and so their attention starts to go more mm. towards the gadgets than it does towards the parents so what do you do in that scenario, scenario to help uh, uh kind of make sure that you're using the gadgets in a wise way
1: so uh, at the beginning i mean my, my daughter's so when she knew how to use the iphone from when she was like less than a year old you know kids now I'm sure I'm sure your child is all right 100% kids today, yeah. kids today are more I mean she taught me how to do something on my phone I didn't even know and I was like <laughs> <laughs> literally they're fast to shame they're so tech savvy because like you said um, it, you know we're all around technology so what, what we do is um, what I normally do is um, on her phone on the actual phone that we use um, there's a timer so on the YouTube kids app you can have a passcode which only as parents you can access this and then yeah. she has a timeout, so she's allowed to go in for maybe half an hour or one hour um, and, and yeah this we do from time to time but it's not done so that we can just give her that all day long we have specific yeah. times uh, most times it's in the morning and in the evening when you know she, just before she goes to bed she just wants a bit of winding down time and, and again it's monitored as well but what we do is we we, we do it as and when we need to not because or just just you know take the ipad or take this and just carry on what you're doing um so we we take in terms of example like i teach during the day so in the evenings i'll tend to spend a bit more time with my daughter and as in play with her etc and give my wife you know a little bit of kind of her time and then obviously um i think one thing that's quite important as well is as parents we shouldn't use gadgets to deter communication or spending time with them so what i do is i still sit with her you know, you probably think, oh, you know, that's a bit weird. Why are you, why are you watching cartoons with your daughter? But you know what? When I sit with her and I just take, again, taking an interest in what she does, mm. she appreciates that. You know, and, and, and sometimes sometimes she will like quiz me saying, what's this person's name? Or do you know what this is? And then, you know, again, it just builds up that bond as well. So sometimes, yeah, I do sit with her. And the more I've sat with her, the more I've understood what types of programmes she likes to watch. So that gives us that inside information as well. So yeah, um from time I don't do it every time, as in I don't want her to feel that I'm constantly watching her, but from time to time I'll just kind of sit with her for two minutes or just say, Oh, you're watching this today, oh mashallah you're watching this. So, you know, just kind of embedding that kind of closeness with her as well. Um yeah. but one thing I would say, um, for parents, especially for fathers, it's so important to to have that alone time as well as parents. I think a lot of times we become so engrossed, like like yourself, um, working, and those parents that are working, fathers especially, yeah. we come home, we spend time with our kids, and then we want to go to sleep. But it's important if you know if you are two, if you're both parents living together, husband and wife, then obviously you need to spend that time together. It's so important. Just even if it's one hour every day, but when your child or children goes to sleep, have those quality moments alone because those are so important to grow your relationship. And again. Yeah time away from the kids is healthy. You need to have some time away from the kids. This is important. Uh, the same way as a couple, you're not glued together every moment of every day, uh, as husband and wife, you need to have a bit of alone time away from each other. So I think the best time, uh, what works for many people is always just before the kids, uh, sorry, just after the kids go to sleep because that's the time yeah. where generally you have that time to talk to each other. Um, so yeah, um, aside from gadgets, definitely, spending time as well. And I think with the gadget situation, it's important as parents to monitor what your child is doing. Um, there's been times when, for example, my daughter has used my phone uh, watching YouTube and my YouTube is not filtered. So sometimes she'll watch like these random, um, you know, videos from different yeah. languages and we don't know what the meanings are, etc etc So, you know, my wife's very kind of sharp on that sense where she's pinpointed specific videos. And when, on YouTube kids, what's good is when you highlight specific Favorites it generally shows you those ones, so right. um, it's very good at filtering out uh, parental controls. Are very good, it doesn't have to be YouTube kids, but any app that allows you as a child. I know there's some where my, bro- my brother and sister will use where the daughter's phone completely stops. It's my favorite wow. one. Now, uh, when I found out that like, wow, that's just you can do that, yeah. So when they press a button on the app, she can't do nothing on her phone, ah, uh, okay. and that's obviously handy, especially for, for teenagers, right? Because yeah. uh, when, when you get older, you spend a bit more time sometimes you know you want to message someone late at night etc etc so again it's all about having these systems in place so you as a parent father or mother are in control of what your child is doing on the gadgets uh, definitely yeah. from from a safeguarding perspective which is what we get taught especially at school alhamdulillah alhamdulillah that's
0: that's a really good insight for me especially because uh i'm just i mean you know because my kids are so young you know my daughter she's only 1 years old and um, um, my my boy, he's he's two and a half. He does use things like uh, uh, yeah. YouTube Kids and whatnot. But now uh, I think it's you know a good time for me and my wife to start thinking about these systems. And uh, when we're, when we're thinking about what time and how long and all these kind of things, I think it's gonna it's gonna start coming up yeah. a lot more yeah. now as he's yeah. as he's getting a yeah. bit older. Um, I think everything that we've spoken about today, it keeps coming back to this point of whether you're being an active father or a passive father, whether you're being, you're parenting or you're nurturing, right? And, and, and there's a difference between them because I think parenting sometimes gets, um, it doesn't get, it, it, it's sometimes underrated or doesn't get the attention that it deserves because people think that anybody can be a parent, which which is true because uh, you can give birth and uh, you can have a partner and you too can Take care of this child and raise them up And then they become an adult and they go out into the world Everybody has uh, the opportunities to do that Of of course Allah blesses certain people with some without But generally whether you're Muslim or non-Muslim Throughout the whole of human history This is how it works, reproduction right But that's maybe parenting but then nurturing is something else and a lot of the times people don't give parenting the the uh uh, um attention that it deserves is because they think or anybody can do that but yeah anybody can clothe a baby feed a baby and then allow that baby to grow up and then go out into the world that's one thing but the other thing is throughout that whole process nurturing at every single stage being involved at every single stage um uh uh, uh, allowing for uh sorry one second go pops up here (laughs) allowing for um uh you know the 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 child to be to be involved in your life you to be involved with them that whole active aspect of everything um you know that's that's something that not everybody can do but everybody should be encouraged to do and once you get those things right as a mother and father that's when you're really nurturing your children. And that's where uh, 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 you should be you know, proud of yourself and you should be proud to be involved in those kind of things. And you should take that, that quite seriously. And that's a big achievement. And so we, when we don't think about it in that way, and we just think about parenting as just you know raising your child and, and, and then letting them go into the world, then we don't think about it as something serious. And I think it's coming back to this point that it seems everything that you're doing with your daughter, alhamdulillah, <sighs> is no, no. you trying to be involved in different aspects of our life and you trying to think how best can i nurture that stage and then the next stage and the next stage and i think you know that's something that's inspiring and something that all fathers should be thinking about yes. is yeah. rather than rather than just saying okay i've got children and I'm, I'm i've got responsibilities here it's how do you actively take part in all those things
1: yeah i just exactly like okay for that uh, i try to be as active as i can and i think one thing i want to point out is at the beginning which I mentioned in this podcast is episode is that I'm not, you know, by far I'm not saying I'm an expert And I'm not someone who's experienced But I know a lot of experienced fathers who still make mistakes And I know a lot of inexperienced fathers who make mistakes So mistakes are part of parenting But it's about learning from the process And we're always learning You know, the same way we're taught for my teacher When I was studying Quran over the years whether I was learning Maqaeda or Hifz um you're always a student of the Quran. Even if you become a Qadi, even if you've got an ijazah, even if you're a teacher of the Quran, you're always a student of the Quran. Why? Because there's always so much to learn. And parenting is the same. No parent in the world can say, I've mastered parenting because I'm now age sixty and my children have now married and they've got grand I've got grandchildren. No. You're always learning. In fact, every day is a different challenge, subhanallah. So I'm just taking it each day as it comes, inshallah. And um yeah. It is it is exciting Alhamdulillah uh, It is something that I will definitely make dua for As many brothers and sisters out there who may be, not be parents May Allah allow you to become parents And it's not oh. about comparing A lot of parents compare competition Don't compete with other parents, other children Just be you as parents Just be true to yourself, be real And just look at what you can do in your capacity Don't overdo it Don't try to, subhanAllah, take out a loan Or put yourself in difficulty just to you know, see, you know, just to kind of prove a point or just to compete with another. It's important to just be as, you know, Subhanallah, as as unique and you know as true to yourself as you can be. You don't need to compete with one another. It's about just doing what you can. And Subhanallah, some parents are blessed, some are not it's not just about money it's about opportunities even if you don't have enough money it's it's fine it's not a problem you don't have to have money to enjoy your children. Subhanallah, you can do there's so many freebies out there subhanallah. there's so many opportunities to go for walks you know these are all free it doesn't cost you anything time does not cost money to spend with your child so alhamdulillah you know just be blessed and if you are someone who's a parent a mother or father especially a father and um, watching this do support and and you know just be grateful to Allah. It's giving you the opportunity and do whatever you can to, inshaAllah, spend time with your with your children. Alhamdulillah.
0: JazakAllah khair. Uh, Ishaq for coming on. I really appreciate your time. Alhamdulillah. alhamdulillah. We've made a lot of ground and I'm sure we could talk a lot more. So we, maybe we need a part two coming up soon. InshaAllah. Uh, but yeah, JazakAllah khair. I uh, really enjoyed Barakala it. Take care. as alaikum. alaykum wa Wa rahmatullah.